I'm Laura Ortiz, and I've decided that I'm one of the new hosts of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm also known as Benedict Cumberbatch. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. And in the true fashion of, yeah, they're they're all messed up. Welcome to TalkCast 262 and this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Chief Pontificator Dome here, frozen, cold, three feet of friggin' white star. Never mind. Anyway, enough about that. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the rest of the Yeah, evidently. Cocaine? In Revere Time Vortex, our technical omnivore. <laughs> running everything behind the scenes and and stalking people wherever she goes to get stuff done. Our own girl, genius, Kriana. It's my specialty. Don't piss me off. <laughs> From the stacks of her personal calm space in the Dank Dungeon's indoor winter Zen garden, meticulously growing artificial snowflakes, current kitty poker champion, Zombrarian. I'm just, I'm still, like, semi-disturbed and semi-obsessed with the fact that the Vermont Teddy Bear Company has a Christian Grey teddy bear. Well, now that you've brought <laughs> that up, get... we never have to talk about it. <laughs> it comes with she mini handcuffs. I want to throw up on it. I do too, but it costs $90, so I'm not going to. Are you fucking kidding me? I am so serious. <laughs> She's so serious. <laughs> From a I'm galaxy not as far away as you might think, the woman in chain male who ponders soap bubble distribution aspect ratios and how they intersect with tetrahedrons in circular logical frameworks. And as a huge crush on Agent Carter Red's lipstick and all, please welcome Sir Sarah Lady Knight. Hi, I don't want to throw up on Agent Carter. I want to love her forever. That you is acceptable. I think <laughs> that is totally acceptable. I think it's a, a feeling we all share. Our yeah. guest tonight joining us in the second half of the show is uh, writer uh, Jim Dyer, who's going to talk about his writing, his grandfather's writing. Really? He's a writer? Why, he's going to talk about his writing? Shut the front door. I know. I know. It's not something we normally do. Yet this today, is completely outside writing. of our normal purview. I protest. I know. I didn't know we had a purview, but I've had shots for it, so I'm not particularly worried. Oh, good. Uh, you've had your vaccines? I've had my oh. vaccines, and I don't oh, really? care hey, what hey, Jimmy hey, says. This, this, is a, this is a public service announcement. Fucking vaccinate your kids, people. Don't be fucking morons and vaccinate. Thanks. Bye. Mm, that's too hard for people to actually understand, so I wouldn't hold yeah. my breath there. Well, I mean, vaccinations might cause autism, and everyone knows that that's worse than death. Jenny, shut up. Thank you. <laughs> you. You know what? You know what's worse? You know what's worse than wow. death? Stupidity. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Like autism is is fine. Like it's fine. And also, no, vaccines don't fine, cause it autism. Doesn't get conned by that. It's, that's the yeah, it doesn't, it's, ridiculousness. Yeah. But. Well, like, the thing is, even if it did, these people think it's worse than death. And I'm like, really not at all. Like, not even a little bit. Thanks. And now it's not just Stop. a measles vaccine. It's every time they wave a needle in front of you, it's, no! Idiots. Yeah. Idiots. No, it could have mercury in it. A yeah. tiny you know, You know what the mercury does? It keeps it working longer, so... So people need to, like, stop being morons. Thanks. That's way too much. And on that note, Jenna, are you ready on the button? It's time for the news. Hey, 
actually sounds good. It's fun when you talk uh, about it. So it's great. It's my favorite. I know. And no, it isn't. Don't lie. It's okay. <laughs> but by Normally, all means, at this point, we spent 10 minutes talking about Agent Carter. So I think it's time, Sarah, to talk about. To talk Agent for Carter. 10 minutes for Agent Carter. <laughs> um, Clearly. Oh, all right. Wow. You don't have to tell me twice. Uh, I did. I only told you once. Go. Well, we can tell you twice if you'd like. Okay, sure. Go ahead. Sarah, I think it's time we spent 10 minutes (laughs) talking about Agent Carter. What do you think? So in. So in. Um, Good. So I think (laughs) that Tuesday night's episode was probably my favorite so far. Um, It had pretty much everything. What? Me? No. I don't believe you. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, I really mean it this time. I mean, every week just keeps getting better. Um, I, I feel like that was the theme song to the to something. It may have been "Queer Eye for the Straight Guy." <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but I I kind of don't want to talk about what I loved this week. I kind of want to talk about what I didn't love, which is Agent oh. Thompson. And I'm I know, really Dome, you're going to whine about this. I'm going to go no, there. No. Dome, whine? Shock! Shock! Wait, is Thompson the blondie one? Yeah, he's John yep. Michael Murray. Um, okay. And the showrunners and in interviews have kind of been hinting that we're going to get kind of more insight to his character and that our feelings for him might change. Really? And that he, right Peggy now, might I end don't up care together. Exactly. I don't either. So in this episode, spoilers... Um, we find out that he got um, a Navy Cross for um, killing some enemy soldiers that came into his camp that came into his camp because he fell asleep on his watch. And once after he killed them and saved, apparently saved the lives of his men, he realized that they were coming into his camp to surrender. They had a white flag, which he then buried because he felt like an idiot, which he was because he fell asleep on his watch and then accidentally killed some soldiers who were coming to surrender. Sarah, and so he, I, yes. I have a question. Yes. How is that supposed to change our feelings about him? Because he's been a okay. dick to this point. I don't. Right. Exactly. But the, when he, when we find out about this, it's because he's opened up to Peggy, and I. So she thinks he's care. now a bigger dick as well. Right. I mean, it's exactly. not just us, but, you know. But no, at this scene, I because I I live to tweet and follow like all the cast and crew on Twitter. And at this scene, the show, one of the showrunners, Michelle Fazekas, Fazekas, I don't Who know. accused me of stalking her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I like, didn't. It was not wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whatever. I'm following the showrunners. Shut up. Um, so, uh, during this scene, the one of the showrunners, Michelle uh, Fazekas, or whatever, said, get ready to love Thompson haters. And I was like, okay, why? Why should we love someone who mistakenly killed surrendering soldiers and then lied about it like he did a bad job and then he didn't own up to it why should that make him he cried he's sensitive it's terrible and you know what i don't care right like my question is so he cried and that's supposed to make it better he had feelings and then peggy so they um so wait so wait wait. he He finally had feelings that the extremely horrifying thing that he did was wrong and then he cried right. because he was such a bad person and that's supposed to make yep, him exactly. less of a bad person. Just, yep, just so I got this. Yes. For everyone? Come on. So uh, the other thing that happened in the episode that was supposed to be sympathetic of him, or like supposed to make us like him more is that basically in this episode we he, Peggy is able to show how much of a badass she is. Which we all knew, but he didn't. So he sees that she is smart, capable, and a complete fucking badass. And at the end of the episode, he invites her along with the guys for drinks. He's like, I owe you a bourbon. And my problem with that is that the the writers and the showrunners are kind of pitching it so that we see that Peggy needs to be validated by a man for her to be legitimate in this world. And, like, why can't we let Peggy... Right? Exactly. But why can't we let Peggy be on her own? Like, why does she need his his validation? Because it's really showing that she needs his validation. 
and I don't understand yeah, why we should Yeah, because clearly care. you need to be validated by the crappy guy who killed people and lied about it, because right. he's a dude that people, clearly makes him better than you. Right, exactly, and people are kind of um, thinking, like, maybe, oh, maybe this, you know, he's changing his mind about women. I don't think so. I think he's changing his mind about Peggy, but that Peggy is, quote, not like other girls. So I think we're going to get, like, this... Right? Exactly. That she's, she's special and she's different, but it's just her. So I think his attitude towards women is not going to change, but his attitude towards Peggy is, which isn't the same thing and isn't good. And it's not good enough. So my question is, why do we care about his storyline? And can we maybe not, like, have him have an arc? Because I don't want him to have an arc because I don't give a shit about him. I'm oh, way more interested in Crutch's guy than I am in him. Yeah, well, Susan's like the best. And and let's face right it, now. I'm not that interested in Crutch's guys. So. Yeah, as evidenced by the fact that I know them as Blondie, the fat chunky one, and Crutch's guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fair. Yep. Yeah. It's and like it's like home basically the evidence, characters on the show fun. are Peggy, Peggy's roommate who died in the first episode, the girl from that diner. Peggy's girlfriend, Angie. Now, uh, Jarvis. Yep. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. The the other one is the the new Black Widow who moved in. Yes, Dottie. And Dottie was just terrific foreshadowing for this week's episode and next week's episode. Yeah, she was terrifying in this episode. I loved it. Oh, she was terrifying in the 30 seconds she was in last week's episode. I like that gun. True. And all of a sudden, I the world just it. went uh, just a just little weird. Fucking climbed the oh, walls. Was, oh. It was amazing. I loved it. And she yeah, had the no, same absolutely. 30 seconds this week with the handcuffs. Oh my god. Terrifying. I love and it. And you just, you just you watched that You know what comes with handcuffs? Sec- that teddy bear from Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say. Oh no. I bring that up for yeah, you, so Zombrarian. I care so much more about Dottie's arc and then fucking Agent Thompson shithead. Oh, I hell yeah. I yeah. care more about the Fifty Shades of Grey teddy bear than I care about Agent Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have more questions on that fucking about bear. this bear. Oh <laughs> bear is the worst. More questions than there will ever be answers. Thank yeah. God we don't have yep. to listen to them either. Ooh, hey, you get a gourmet chocolate and personalized gift card free with purchase. Please stop. I'm going to, like, vomit everywhere. I already had to clean cat vomit off of my rug this morning. I don't want to throw up more. We could lend you our cat. He'll throw up for you. Um, thank you, but I'll decline the offer. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's so weird, right? You're lost! I guess. Sure. Question mark? (laughs) <laughs> yes obviously. so this week I was kind of looking at all the, the promos for new stuff that's coming up and I've been kind of concerned about some of the Marvel stuff that's coming up on Netflix in particular the Daredevil series which concerned is going to be in what way well Daredevil the first time around was just horrifying and yeah. The new format for these these miniseries, uh, like Agent Carter on ABC, Daredevil is, I think, six or eight episodes, and that's it. And on Netflix, they're all coming out streaming at the same time. Yeah. Awesome. Which is going to be, awesome. I hope, going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Have you finished Marco well, Polo yet, everyone? Because it was awesome. No. It's a really good Netflix series. Seriously. Netflix original series. Awesome. Nice. But the trailer came out for Daredevil today, and well, after the teaser trailer for the trailer came out yesterday, (laughs) they're getting a little weird with this. Yeah, the teaser trailer for the trailer. Yeah, I was like, really, guys, really? That turns me on. Right. I'm glad it's (laughs) you because you're the one. No, not at all. But the the trailer itself, you know, popped today and. It's it popped really. Did it also kind of violent and, and cool? Has anyone else no, seen that Sun Pepper commercial? Seriously. No, everybody yeah. has seen it, and it's really <laughs> annoying. It's awesome. Kiana it's... had seen it until yesterday. It's so great, and I played it for her, 
and then rewound the TV and played it again, and she hasn't <laughs> stopped laughing since. That's so, amazing. I have. So that's great. <laughs> so the Daredevil series push it real good. Shut up, Brianna. <laughs> That does not get old. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> Only if you're old. Just like the white guy at the end. I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it real good. <laughs> yeah, thank you, white guy. <laughs> that was dead-on impression, Dome. Good job. We're <laughs> all so proud. <sighs> <sighs> well, I'm dying. <clears throat> <laughs> so the news... Well, there was news in there somewhere. What? Somewhere. No. A little bit. <laughs> was there so more about the Daredevil trailer? Or... No, just, I mean... We're just bitching it, about man? it in general. Good. No, I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've been busy with school. With actual well. things that actually matter? What? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> I hate that. Nothing matters more than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I always forget Thank that God, Daredevil so is is Marvel because he sucks so much. <laughs> Again, you were not a fan of the comics. What's a comic? It's I don't paper. know what. I'm a girl. Girls don't read comics. <laughs> What's paper? I don't like dead trees. I'm allergic to them. So. Oh my god, no. Speaking of commercials, have you guys seen the Viagra commercial where this no. woman is like in bed with a book and she's like, oh my god. Oh yes, she's actually, like, yes! Most women, women love curling up with a good book, but most women would rather curl up with their favorite man. And I'm like, no. Not really. N- no? Nope. Books are forever. Boy, That's useless. funny because I just told someone today that my favorite man is Atticus Finch. I think you posted that on Facebook, and I think I saw it. <laughs> yes. I think it, I said something along the lines of, if I was ever forced to marry a man, it would be Atticus Finch. Speaking <laughs> of, there's a cat on your computer. Men are useless. There is a cat on my computer. Men are particularly useless, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Thanks, guys. God. I really appreciate that. So. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I mean, we're just thinking of the truth here. I like, know. It's I hard know, to hear, I know, what? but you'll get over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe. If not, yeah. well, we don't care. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> no, not, not pretty much. That, yeah, entirely. <laughs> Good. Hey, so some guy cut his nose off so he'll look like Red Skull. <laughs> Can we talk about that? <laughs> In terms of men are useless, some guy was like, you know what's a really good idea? Let me cut the end this of my is, nose this off this and cut my face red. And Since I live in my mom's basement, he's married Since with children. Please tell me there's a picture in that. In that there, are, oh, there are pictures, and he got um like implants, so he's got like a ridged forehead, um, and it's he just looks. T- uh, oh like Jesus God! Oh my yeah. God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Don't wear something you yeah. shouldn't have. <laughs> 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 Amazing. So. You guys listening, you have oh. to click on this link to see the pictures. It, this guy, like, seriously. But if you don't want idiot. to, really don't. You don't have to. Yeah. If if you guys get get uh, squeamish with things, don't 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 do it. It's it's a lot. Oh. It's a lot. Oh god. Like you can't change that. Like you can't can't there's put no, that back there's, on. There's no there's, going back from that one. There's no going back. Nope. Nope. There's some so commitment there, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's dedicated his whole life to looking like a Nazi, so, I mean... Because, you know, as, as people... You know, that's... I yeah. think that's in these days. That's what the kids are doing. Yeah, right? That's totally just... I... Uh, I do appreciate... Now I'm jealous. I want to look like a Nazi. No. <laughs> I'm going to say I do no, really don't. appreciate the comment that says he'll commit to cutting his nose off, but he won't shave. <laughs> That's beautiful. Because he still has, like, a full beard and a mustache and hair. 
Yeah. What a dipshit. Yup. Yeah. Things we can all agree on. Men are useless. That one's a dipshit. Yep. I have, I have, however. You're a scarred dome for life. Oh, shit. (laughs) You're welcome. I have the antidote for that, however. I do have the antidote. And the link that I'm I'm putting on this week is uh, a Robin Williams link. Mm -hmm. And it comes from the archive of American No, it's not depressing at all. Everything Robin Williams has ever done is depressing. You're insane. No, I'm surprised no one else thinks that. Like, I just absolutely no one else thinks that. I don't think that's true. But um, just every time I see him, I'm like, wow. Is there like a more depressed, sad, angry person on the face of the planet? Apparently, there was not. Apparently, there was. In uh, this clip, he was working at the end at the mid '80s. Uh, the best time a, of, the name of ever. Howard Storm, who he had worked with as a director, and he was supposed to do a 30-second commercial for him that says, Howard Storm is now directing commercials. If he can work with me, he can work with anyone. The The entire thing is 14 minutes long, and it's just just incredibly funny, incredibly brilliant. 14 minutes? So after, who has time for that? After you look at the pictures of the Red Skull, (laughs) you can just look at pictures of Haley Atwell to cleanse your palate. I know, right? (laughs) Just Google Haley Atwell, you're good. Waste my time with old dead people, like. Or if you feel like (laughs) continuing the trail of tears down into the internet, you can click the link to the Fifty Shades of Grey Bear. (laughs) Or you can just go to Reddit. It's about the same. And then you're really in the shitter. You've really been scarred by that, haven't you, Zombie? I'm really, really upset by it. Like, on so many levels. So many. So many. Like, the fact that it exists, the fact that it costs $90. Oh, my God. There are many facts and, here. And here. Here's the worst thing you can hear with somebody who has that bear. Ready? Mommy, what's that? No, the worst yeah. thing is the worst thing is, mommy, will you buy me the Christian Grey book? Oh Jesus! Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so listeners, mail in the worst thing you could hear from mail a child. In. What do we live in at, the Stone Age? We could probably email in. How's that? Fair. What you think the best or worst or most troubling line would be for a child who sees that bear. Uh, I definitely want to hear this. <laughs> it should be horrifying. Yes. Horrifying is the right You know word. what? We'll, um, we'll put up a Facebook comment and or we'll put up a Facebook post. Oh, I forgot, I forgot to look at the last one that I put. Comment. What was it? What, should I watch something? Should I start watching I some show? The strain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I don't know what Facebook said. I haven't bothered to look, and I probably won't. So nice. they agreed with me that you should read the books. Yeah, I don't care what their opinions are. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe someday. We not actually really. we have them as ebooks, so there's a chance. I know. Watch. Who do you think got them? I did. Nope. Yep. Nope. <laughs> Um, well, then we own them twice, because I did. Apparently we do then. So, that happened. Anyway. So, Sarah. Marvel Comics is doing something where Captain America is female? I don't understand. Is a lady! Um, so, basically... As we talked about, I think, last week or the week before, Marvel Comics is doing weird things. So I don't really know what this means. But they're launching a title called Secret Wars 2099, which looks like it's uh, a follow-up or goes together with a Spider-Man 
1999 series, which I don't know what that is either, because, like, what is what even is Marvel Comics doing? Um, but the most important thing is that Captain America is a woman, which is great. Um, so are all the Avengers going like, to be other women people, by but the really end of this? Because, like, Thor's a lady now. I hope so. That would be great. Yeah. I, I don't cool. I don't know. And I just think, I'm just so confused by this whole thing, but that's really all I care about is Lady Cap, so I'm, I'm happy. So somebody's going to be buying the comic books, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not going to know what's going on, but I'm going to buy them. <laughs> Story of my life. Huh. It looks weird. Yeah, it, it does look weird. I don't like I said, I don't understand what Marvel Comics is doing right now, so... Yeah, we'll see. It almost doesn't um, matter. Yeah, I mean, they're just... Yeah, they're just doing some things. Just existing. Being weird. Hawkeye's actually a hawk, maybe? I don't... I don't know. <laughs> that would be I, I think, I think He'd so. be a lot more Look interesting that way. And yeah. he could make yeah. the red tail hawk noise, Noelle. He could, and it would be actually appropriate. <laughs> yeah, look, there's a picture of Hawkeye at the bottom of the music. <laughs> he has wings and claws. Oh, way too easy. Too easy. You know you're all sitting there contemplating it, though. No, we're not. Nope. Absolutely not. <clears throat> So Funko is launching the Marvel Collector Core series. I don't like. I may, I may already be subscribed to that. I may have signed up. I'm so surprised. I right, everyone's shocked (laughs) because I I actually I I collect Funko figures. I don't know if anyone knew that I collect Funko figures. So when I saw that, I was like, "Ooh, I need that." Wait, but um, don't so we'll they see. Already have the Avengers? Yes, and they're gonna, but they're gonna be exclusive ones, or like just different ones, the ones that they haven't already released. So I have oh. most of the Avengers ones, um, not all of them, but the first one um, is gonna be a six-inch um, Iron Man Hulkbuster. Nice. So it's gonna be Fat awesome. Iron Man, and then, awesome. Oh, yeah, right, giant. Chummy Iron Man, great. We don't fat shame uh, on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. No, I love Iron it. Man. Gain some weight. That's his yeah. decision. Yeah, we we I still love him. It was him. a decision. <laughs> oh, maybe all that alcohol. Yeah, well, Tony Stark's been drinking a lot lately. Yeah, lately, <clears throat> <laughs> always. Tony. Um, but but I, like, I like the Orphan Black ones better. Yes. Well, so real quick on the on the Funko subscription. Um, the box also comes with a t-shirt where there's one of four different ones that you don't get to choose, which kind of sucks. And then two premium accessories. So I don't really know what that means, but we'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys posted when the first box shows up in like two months. Are we going to do official unboxing videos? I, I know I want I premium accessories. That's... Yeah, right? I don't know what that means. And they don't have ladies' sizes, and I'm like, really, guys? I'm so shocked. Because, you know, women don't like comics, right? No. 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 But, on the other hand, not all women want to wear a baby doll t-shirt. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, but there should be the option, at least. You know uh, what, though? Uh, like, regular like, t-shirts yeah. do not leave enough room for boobs. Yeah. Like, seriously. I, mean, I don't have that problem, but I've heard other people have that problem. Really people who actually problem. have boobs. But then, you know, the baby doll t-shirts, wait, the baby doll t-shirts theoretically leave room for your boobs, but then they're tiny? So that, like, negates yeah. the need for the boob room? Because if you're small yeah, enough... It's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just not ideal any either way, so. No. Dome, do no. you prefer? Whatever. But yeah, so the Orphan Black <laughs> Funkos are going to be awesome, though. Don't so, go I'm, there, who knew, smartass. Who knew I needed so many versions of the same person? I'd like to go on record that I knew. 
Yeah, that yeah, I mean I that's I knew true. as well. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> are you kidding when they come like out I just wrote Haley an article well ones? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gonna die. I'm I will I will own five of the same one. By the way, I thought of you the other day. Yes. I was watching Was it about Haley Owl? It was actually. I was watching random (laughs) historical movies on Netflix and Uh she was in um one with Keira Knightley about the um about the Countess Georgina. Oh nice. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw I I haven't been stalking her about anything. What are you talking about? Awesome. I have to watch all everything she's been in. Yes. Especially when yeah. there's a weird lesbian moment in it. Yes, I saw a GIF set of that, and I was like, I need it. I, I need it. Yep. It's GIF. Just correcting you there. We could have that I don't that care about your life. Or we could <laughs> we talk won't. to the guest. Yay! Yay! Well, we could have the conversation, but we all know I would win. So, let's talk to the guest. Yay! It's time to do that. Our guest this afternoon, this evening, whenever it is you're listening to us, it doesn't matter because we're here, uh, is Jim Dyer. Jim, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Uh, You say that like you actually mean. I was going to say, are you? I do, I do mean it. It was very interesting listening to you guys before. So, uh, yeah, uh, my name is Jim Dyer. Uh, my grandfather, uh, just to give you a little brief thing about me and what I'm doing, uh, my grandfather is C.M. Eddie Jr., who was uh, a writer back in the 1920s in Providence. He was, uh, wrote a lot of short stories, horror, science fiction, fantasy, uh, supernatural stories. He was very good friends at H.P. Lovecraft back then, too. They were pals. He used to walk around the streets of Providence and, and take a different uh, story ideas. And uh, so back when we read them, we each other before they sent them into the Weird Tales magazine, from the pulp magazine. Mike and was also good friends with uh, Harry Houdini back then. He worked for Houdini. He was a ghostwriter for Houdini. And he was also an investigator who used to, my grandfather was one of many who went around to uh, investigate the fake seances or the fake mediums. Uh, and he would write a report to Houdini and Houdini would show up like maybe a week later uh, when he was doing his course uh, and exposed the seances using uh, the notes that my grandfather's gave on and, and told him how they, they faked all the different things. And uh, I was going through my grandparents' things that we put away uh, years ago when they passed away. They'd been stored for a long time, and I found all my grandfather's original manuscripts of the short stories that he wrote. Uh, some he published, some he didn't. So I started a small publishing company called Town Publishing, and I put out of his collections of short stories and one collection of my grandparents' memories of H.P. Lovecraft. So that's what I've been doing. So how did you come up with uh, Fenn and Publishing in the first place? Is, is there a special uh, thing about that name? Oh, the name itself? Yeah, Fenham Publishing. Yeah. Uh, well, Fenham is a, a town that my grandfather based uh, three or four of his short stories in. He, 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 he uh, did Fenham, and he had another town called Bayboro. He based it loosely on Providence and Attleboro, Massachusetts. Providence, Rhode Island, Attleboro, Massachusetts. So that's where I get Fenham from, because um, he used them in, three, in three, about three of his different stories. So that's where I get the name from. One of the books that you've put out is called Exit into Eternity, Tales of Bizarre and Supernatural. Yes. Now, this yes, book contains a bunch of stories by your grandfather that had been published, and three or four of them that were unpublished. Yes, yep, yes. The, in, in that Where did you... book it, itself, it's five. Go ahead, I'm sorry. That, no, no, go ahead. I, I, there's five short stories in that, in that book. In, okay, what was your question? I didn't mean to cut you off. So. No, no, where did you find these stories? How did, how did you come across them? Uh, well, we had, like I said, when my grandfather, Father passed away, and then when my grandmother passed away, we put everything, all the tapers, they, they never threw anything away. They kept everything. Like different receipts, different letters from everybody, uh, correspondence from a lot of people from the 1920s up until like the 1970s when, when my grandmother passed away. And 
I was going through the, the bureaus and the trunks that we have, and I found all the original manuscripts that, that we had. Like I said, some that were published, some that weren't. So I, so I collected those together and, and put them in, in books. And designed the books, you know, edited them, got them all set, and, and had them printed and, and, and set up my publishing company. I did that with Exit into Eternity, where I have five short stories in. And I also did another book. There's 13 short stories. It's called The Love Dead and Other Tales. And the bulk of those that are in there, the seven of them that were published in Weird Tales magazine. And then I, I found other ones that were published in various other pulp magazines of, of that era, from the 1920s, 1930s. Your grandfather was one of the biggest writers in, in some of those early pulp magazines. He did an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, Weird tales, <laughs> strange tales, strange stories. Uh, I, there were tons stories. of them. Yeah, amazing stories. I think I, obviously you know, a few other ones. Yeah, he had he had quite a few stories published back then, in the 1920s up until the like the 1930s, something like that. And he also was a, a musician, my grandfather, and uh, he was a, a composer. He wrote a lot, a lot of sheet music that he composed, and uh, and and had the sheet music uh, printed and published too. A lot of waltzes and you know old time music like that. But he also he also did that, and he was also a uh, a booking agent for he was a theatrical booking agent uh, for a lot of vaudeville shows back in the twenties. Back in the day, I don't know if you remember if you, if you read, like Providence and big cities, they had a lot of uh, not movie houses, but they're like uh, uh, like vaudeville shows where people would come in to be comedians uh, and ventriloquists. They were burlesque uh, houses at that point. What? Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. So my grandfather would would be a booking agent and, and get all the traveling vaudeville people, all, all the different people who did the shows, and, and book them in the different uh, venues back then too. So, so on, on a kind of personal note, prior to finding all this stuff, did you know anything about your grandfather? Did the family talk about it? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I, my grandfather passed away when I was nine years old, so I knew him. You know, he used to go to the house all the time. Uh, he lived very close to us in Providence. I grew up in Providence, and, he, and my grandmother lived there. And I remember him telling us different stories, different different things. He used to play the piano. was over the house on Sundays, you know. And that was the thing everybody did was go to the grandparents' house for dinner. And I just remember him playing the piano and singing and everything. He just telling us different stories about different things. Very interesting person. But and, as, as, as you got older, names like H.P. Lovecraft... And Harry Houdini began to actually mean something to you. At nine, I'm not yeah. sure that it did. No, it didn't. And actually, one of one of the funniest things is when after my grandparents passed away, my grandmother kept uh, kept in touch with different people in the horror community and everything. I remember going over to her house. I was probably like maybe ten or eleven years old, and somebody was there. My my aunt, my aunt Ruth was there, and my grandmother. And there was another uh, person there, small, bald-headed guy, very funny guy. And uh, my grandmother introduced me as, introduced me to him as Mr. Block. So I said hi to him. He was, he was a nice guy and everything. And then I found out a few years later, it was Robert Block. The writer of oh, wow. He's, he's just, and I had no, you know, back 10, 11 years old, I didn't realize who he was. Sure. But I found, I found correspondence from him to my grandmother and to my aunt. They used, to, they used to keep in touch up until he until he passed away too. So what kind of <clears throat> what kind of stuff was in that that uh, that correspondence? Because I'm guessing there were boxes of it up in the attic or something. Oh yeah, uh, you mean the different people? Uh, yeah, yeah. Most, most there's a lot of different people. There was uh, there was some from Lovecraft, Houdini, uh, Sonia Green, uh, Lovecraft's Lovecraft's ex-wife. Used to write to her. I'm trying to think of some I don't have all the all the names in front of me right now. But uh, August Durlis, uh there was a correspondence with him from when he first started Ockham House. Even before that, when he used to write for Weird Tales, he, he was good friends with my grandparents uh, up until he passed away in uh, 1971. Uh, they corresponded with with him probably like two or three times a week. It seemed like a, they had like a bunch of letters talking about different things so, and many other people too. So. Have you ever thought about compiling some of those correspondence into uh, a kind of a historical book about 
writers at that time or something? Uh, some people have mentioned it, but some of the correspondence, and I know people have, have passed away and everything, but some of it's kind of personal. They talk about different personal things, about their families and everything like that. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I've thought about it and people were talking to me about it, but it just seems like it was a personal correspondence to an individual person. So I'm, I'm not sure what I want to do with stuff like that. You know? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it'd be interesting. It, it, but I'm sure it'd be interesting. So, I don't want to impose on somebody. Even like I said, the past way, I don't want to impose on their, you know, privacy and everything like that. You know. So, what other kinds of of writing did you find up there? Is is there more stuff up there that you haven't published yet? Yeah, there is. My my grandfather has some other stories uh, that that he wrote and he didn't publish. Uh, and he was, a, like I said, he was a ghostwriter for Houdini. So I have about five stories that he wrote for Houdini, but never got published because Houdini passed away. So it never, it never came to fruition. So I'm, I'm going through those too, and uh, hopefully I can put those uh, in another book that I'm working on. Uh, but it's just going slow. It's just taking me a little bit more time than I thought. A lot of the, a lot of the uh, manuscripts, they're not typewritten there. And the longhand mm -hmm. written in longhand and my grandfather wrote very very small and you know when he did it you know he crushed things off and he like threw the arrows like you would do or I would do but we would know what we meant so I'm trying to figure out how where, how the stories have to evolve and what he meant by the arrows and the cross outs and everything like that so, so it takes a little bit longer than I than I anticipated so, so Jim why did yep. you do this? What was it that compelled you? Yeah. Well, I, I did this about 15 years ago, back in about 2000. That was on the internet. And you know, my grandfather's story, some of his stories were still in some Arkham House editions. August Earls had published them through the years. That was on the internet, and I always knew all the stuff was there. But it, it's something that you know, you know it's there, but you never, nobody really looked at it for years and years and years. We just put it away. And I was on the internet, and I don't know, I forgot where I was at the time, but I got in touch with a couple of small press publishers and told them, you know, my grandfather has some manuscripts, I'm going through things, and I, and they got right back to me, and they said, well, you know, what are you going to do with them? We'd love to publish them, we'd like to put them in a the book, and I started thinking, I can do this, and I wanted to get my grandfather's stories back out there. And I just started uh, uh, investigating to see how how I could publish him, you know. And I thought it'd be easy just, you know, get a book going and then get it to a bookstore. But it's, it doesn't work like that at all. I mean, there's a lot of marketing to it and everything like that. But uh, the whole reason behind like what you asked me is just I wanted to get my grandfather's stories back out there because I, I think he was an excellent writer the way he uses descriptive phrases, and I just wanted people to to read them, to, to read his stuff again, and get it out there to the market, so, so people can enjoy. There's, there's, a, there's a rich history in New England of, of writers, and it goes, it's really interesting from our point of view now, where the publishing industry is so different to go back 50, 100 years, see what the original manuscripts look like. Uh, what did you, did, did you find interesting things besides the stories as you were going through there? Did you find things out about your grandfather, uh, about your family? knew all the different stories. I mean, he used to talk about different things he used to do with Lovecraft when I was around nine years old. And then after he passed away, my grandmother related the stories that, you know, she knew about. Too. Um, so I didn't find out anything anything new that I can think of. Uh, but, you know, I, I was going through the correspondence. I was amazed at how many letters that my grandparents wrote or, or receiving people. And, and if they received them, they must have wrote to them. Too, to get the letters. And, and so many people back in the 60s and when my grandfather was alive, he, people used to come 
to him and just wanted to talk to him about Lovecraft. And he always had stories about that. And I'm meeting some of the people too. So, but so, so tell me one of those stories about your grandfather and Lovecraft. Oh, different things. So he used to go for walks uh, all the time with Lovecraft. Uh, and in in one of the books and some of the letters they talk about, it. he went to the Dock Swamp in uh, Patrick, Rhode Island. They, they they took a whole day to walk walking up there, and that's up in Gloucester, Rhode Island, from Providence to, to Gloucester. Back then, uh, it was it was a pretty long trip. Uh, I think they walked part of their way and took a whatever, and they were looking for a, uh, something that my grandfather had heard about the dark swamp where no light penetrated at all, even in the brightest brightest of sun. And uh, there was supposed to be a creature who lived in there, and they went up there, and they started asking around the different people up there, and of course these are two city guys, and nobody wanted to talk to them, and they never really found the dark swamp on, on where it was. Uh, but he basically one of his stories on that, I think the Colorado Space, Lovecraft based that story, the beginning of that story out of the Dock Swamp on, on, on their adventure there. And uh, Black Noon was a, a fictional account that my grandfather wrote about the journey that he did in, in his relationship with Lovecraft. And then he used to go for walking around Providence, too. Uh, one time I, I remember my grandfather saying that uh, he was talking to Lovecraft and they, they he took a walk to find Post Street, which is right up Allen Avenue and and Providence. And Lovecraft never knew that Post Street existed. And Poe, I grew up Poe was uh, Lovecraft's favorite author. But it had to go out and, and usually most of the time it'd be like midnight or like one o'clock in the morning when Lovecraft would come over the house and then they'd go walk around the streets of Providence. So I always thought that was pretty interesting. So the name CM Eddie is bringing stuff back and Jim Dyer is his grandson who's bringing back his work and bringing work that has never seen the light of day back to aficionados of horror and, and science fiction. The names of the books are The Love Dead and Other Tales. And what's the other book that's out now? Yeah. Uh, the Love Dead and Other Tales is one of them. Uh, Extra Into Eternity, Tales of the... Uh, are and Supernatural, and then I have, those are the two short story collections, and I have one book out, it's called uh, Gentlemen from Angel Street, Memories of H.P. Lovecraft, and that's my grandparents' recollections that they wrote through the years for different newspapers and different essays or fanzines about how they knew Lovecraft as a person. It's kind of like a personal memory of Lovecraft, how he was as a friend and as a person, as opposed to a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of biographies about Lovecraft, just encompass how he wrote in those letters, but they don't really get the person like Lovecraft himself. Because when he wrote in the letters, I mean, he could write, he could be kind of sarcastic or say a joke in the letters, but you don't really get that through, through the letters himself. And my grandparents wrote about how they how he was as a person, like how they knew him, how he used to come over the house and what they used to do with him. It's an interesting story. It's a look into the history of writing. It's a look into the history of, of Providence and Rhode Island. But it's also a look into the family that Jim Dyer came to know as the grandson of C.M. Eddy. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Adriana, what's going on in the next couple of weeks on the show? Well, next week, Dome will have even more lag, and Joe Schmalky will return to discuss his new comic, The Infernal Pact. On the 21st, Veronica Bailey of Storied Threads joined us to talk about... Embroidery? T-shirts? I forget what she is. Patches! Patches? Okay. Patches. Wait a minute, is this the felt patch person? No, this is no, a I different mean, one. Okay. Felt, they're, yeah, no, but they're like general nerdy things. They're super okay. cute. I have so many of them. Well, now I'm jealous. And yeah, on, the, <laughs> on the 28th, Once Upon an Apocalypse with editors Scott Godsword and Rachel Kenley. And then once we get into March, we're having Jim Martin, who was a puppeteer on Sesame Street and The Great Space Coaster. 
and you can learn what a smudgeon is, Sir Sarah. So now I get to say that Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con. Tickets just went on sale this week. Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com. Dome? Yes, want to keep in mind that uh, if you're looking for tickets for Boston Comic Con, they're only going to be online this year. So There will be no tickets at the door. Yeah. There will be zero tickets at the door. So, so if you want to go, so get them online. that were there won't be there. Pick them up online now. I want to thank our guest Jim Dyer for, Dyer for joining us tonight. And I want to thank our cast for diligent, diligent work. And Haley Atwell from the Revere Time <laughs> And our woman of war, Zombrarian. Thank you much, ladies. Gonna be dreaming dreams of red lipstick and high heels. And a fifty uh, yeah. shades of gray teddy bear will no. haunt your nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. From her own personal ah. galaxy quest, Sir Sarah, thank you, my darling. Thanks, gonna go just yell about Haley Atwell to the people on the internet now. And that's different good, because. Good. Yeah. It's not, and I just thought I'd remind you guys that that's what I do with that okay. life. <laughs> right. As long as we've got that sorted. This is Dome saying. This is Dome saying, Jeannie, shared pain is less than shared joy increased. Thus, do we all of you entropy. Bob. Get well, buddy. We're all rooting for you. Good night, everyone. That sounds good. That sounds perfect.